This is episode 482 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are How to Predict Weather Like the Pioneers Did and Overloaded, Keep Prepping in Balance. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, that is right. This is a two-article podcast episode. It's been a while since I've done one of those, but these are two good articles, but they're shorter, and so I figure I can kind of get them in one episode here for you. The first one, talking about weather, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, a podcast episode 481, we talked a little bit about weather there um, because we were talking about hypothermia and frostbite and I was bringing up weather apps and you know right afterwards after I uploaded the episode and all that kind of stuff, I uh, just I started looking up apps and I found one that I really liked. It was it was highly rated. It's weather one. And so if you go, you know, go looking for Weather One, it is free. And it's one of those, you can get it for Android and also for iOS, right? So for iPhones. And it's one that you don't have to have your location on. A lot of them you don't have to have location on. But in order to get the the current weather you do, this one you can type in the zip code. And so uh, I've been looking at it, just the, the very front page of it gives you a lot of information, especially the barometric pressure, which I tend to think has a lot of, you know, dealings with my sinus pressure. And so uh, I'm just kind of looking at that one and I'm trying to track and see, you know, what, what that looks like and see if, if my theory is correct on that one. But anyway, I thought I'd mention that since I brought it up on the last episode. It's called Weather One. And uh, again, you can get it for uh, Android and you can also get it for iOS. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And the title is How to Predict Weather Like the Pioneers Did. This is one of those articles where you might want to jot down some of the information here. At least it's one of those things where, you know, it's old like country wisdom that you would want to know if you didn't have technology, you didn't have your apps or your smartphone, you didn't have the internet to go to, and you didn't have all the fancy stuff. So you'd like to know some of this. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. Again, coming to us from survivalpedia.com. So modern weather prediction techniques depend heavily on technology. Doppler radar, weather satellites, historic data, and computer modeling provide the meteorologist with a wealth of data to pull from in order to make an educated guess about what the weather is going to be like over the next several days. Even so, their success rate isn't anything to really brag about. The technology doesn't stop there either. Today's weather forecasters are able to put out their message via radio, television, and the internet, allowing all of us to know what to expect, as well as laugh at their mistakes. About the only way we can remain ignorant of what the experts have predicted is if we want to be. But none of those advantages existed for the wagon trains heading west in the 1800s. Wi-Fi was seriously lacking on those trips, as well as radio and all the other modern means of communications. The pioneers moving west 
were essentially isolated from society, and it didn't get much better when they got to their destination. Other than their local community, any communications with others were severely limited. This lack of technology and communications meant that these pioneers had to be much more self-sufficient than we are today. Making matters worse, the majority of these people were farmers, for whom weather was an important factor. Planting too early before the last frost of winter could be disastrous, with crops freezing and dying before they could grow. Likewise, planting too late had its own dangers, as there might not be enough time to harvest before the first frost in the fall. Somehow, these farmers and others had to be able to predict the weather without our modern weather technology. They did this by watching nature. Nature is in tune with herself in ways that we can't see. But for those who are observers of nature, there are signs that can be picked up on, showing us what to expect. Certain weather patterns can be observed. Likewise, birds and animals often have an idea of what weather is to come, reading signs that you and I can't see. But by observing their actions, we can get a pretty good idea of what to expect. Ever since 1792, the Farmer's Almanac has provided American farmers with a host of useful information, including weather predictions for the whole year. Over time, their weather predictions have proven to be incredibly accurate, especially when you consider that they are predicting weather a year in advance. This information has allowed farmers for over 200 years to plan their planting and harvest time well in advance. Of course, the Farmer's Almanac isn't just about weather, although that is an important part of the annual publication. In addition, the publication provides a wealth of other information which is useful to farmers and homesteaders. But there was a similar publication which existed even before the Farmer's Almanac, Poor Richard's Almanac, produced by Benjamin Franklin. Essentially the same as the Farmer's Almanac, Franklin's publication was a hit in New England providing the same sort of information to farmers and others who needed to know what the weather was going to be like, along with scattered proverbs and wisdom from the first American. So one of the most obvious signs of coming weather is what we see in the sky. This makes sense as most weather conditions that we concern ourselves with comes out of the clouds above. But those clouds are pretty good at broadcasting their intent as they follow natural laws which govern their formation and when they give us rain. One of the things that most people don't realize is that not all clouds are the same height above the ground. Learning about the different types of clouds and what they indicate is a sure way of gaining valuable insight into what sort of weather to expect. The higher the clouds are, the fairer the weather we can expect. Rain clouds tend to be lower to the ground. Nimboy stratus clouds, dark clouds hanging low, are the ones which we normally associate with being rain clouds. Cumulus clouds, towering ones, indicate the possibility of showers later in the day. Cumulonimbus clouds, what most of us think of as typical thunderstorm clouds, appearing early in the day or developing through the day indicate a high likelihood of thunderstorms or other severe weather. Cirrus clouds, stringy, fluffy ones, mean bad weather within the next 36 hours when they appear high in the sky. Altocumulus clouds, fish scales, are another indicator of bad weather within the next 36 hours. Cirrocumulus clouds, small puffy clouds in rows, means that cold weather is coming. And mammatus clouds, fluky ones, mean the least as they can form both for good and bad weather. 
But it's not just the clouds in the sky which tell us about rain that is coming. There are other signs we can see in the sky which also indicate the possibility of rain or other foul weather. Rainbows are an indication of rain. Rainbows west of you indicate that rain is on the way as weather patterns move from west to east. If the rainbow is east of you, the rain has passed. If there is a ring around the moon at night, snow or rain will come in the next 72 hours. When the sky is red in the morning, a red sunrise to the east tells you that the dry air has already passed you by and the moist rain or snow is coming. When the sky is red at night, a red sunset to the west, a high pressure system is on its way. The red sky comes from dust that is stirred up by the winds. Dry air is on the way, accompanied by strong winds. As I briefly mentioned earlier, many animals have an affinity for the weather. Watching the actions of both domestic and wild animals can tell us a lot about what to expect. Deer, elk, and other large game animals that live in the mountains will move down to lower elevations when snow is coming. If they start migrating to lower elevations early, it indicates a severe winter. Bats flying around in the evening is an indicator of fair weather the next day. Frogs will be noisier, croaking more when rain is coming. The louder they are, the more rain you can expect. Spiders even tell us when rain is coming, as they come down from their webs before the rain begins. Birds pay close attention to the weather as it affects their ability to fly. If you see them flying high in the sky, there is little risk of foul weather. But if they are only flying low, it's about to rain. Cats will clean their ears before the rain, for some reason, and dogs eat grass before it rains. Cattle will prepare for a severe storm by seeking shelter. If none is available, they will lie down in groups in a corner of the field. Being cold-blooded, crickets are affected by the temperature. If you count the number of times a cricket chirps in 14 seconds and add 40 to it, you will get the temperature in Fahrenheit. Now, much of this knowledge was encapsulated in a variety of sayings which were passed around in times past. This became an easy way of teaching weather predictions to the next generation, as well as being useful for people to remind themselves of the wisdom these sayings contain. Just like people today use a bit of poetry to remind themselves of how many days in a month, our ancestors used these sayings to remind themselves of the signs they saw in nature. So some of these sayings are red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning, referring to the earlier statement about red skies indicating rain. If cows go in, rain will be short lasting and probably hard. If they stay out, it's going to rain a while, probably a soft rain. If meadows are green at Christmas, at Easter they will be covered with frost. If the first week of August is usually warm, the winter will be white and long. When hornets build their nest high, expect a hot summer. If the ash leaves out before the oak, expect a wet season. When oak trees bend with snow in January, good crops may be expected. If grass grows in January, it will grow badly the whole year. If fowl roll in the sand, rain is at hand. Cows give more milk and the sea more fish when the wind is from the west. When sheep collect and huddle, tomorrow will be a puddle. When cottonwood starts to fly, it's time to plant corn. February thunder brings a May frost. Now, while we can't take any of these as being scientific, 
we must realize that they are based upon years of observation. These weren't just made up like fortunes in a fortune cookie factory. Rather, they were as collected wisdom of many people who depended on the weather for their livelihoods. As such, they are just as useful to us today as they were when they were first uttered centuries ago. Well, guys, you might see why I was saying you might want to jot down some of these or maybe even if you are into printing off uh, some of the uh, some of the articles that are mentioned out there you know, on Prepper website and on the podcast. Or even if you have a Prepper notebook, you go and, and write some of these things down just in case there ever was a situation where you didn't have, you know, the technology wasn't there or whatever. And you needed to, you know, base your or make decisions on what was happening based on the weather. And so some of this would, would definitely help. Uh, I would suspect and I would think definitely the clouds are important and important to know. I know that we I taught that as a teacher in second grade and also in fourth grade. And, uh, you know, there's uh, there's things that we teach the young people that they know from from, you know, just because of we're teaching clouds. But there's real application to it. And I always tried to bring that into the students when we taught this. It wasn't just about knowing the clouds and what they look like but why you would want to know this information. So that was always interesting. Anyway, so guys, like always, I'm gonna to link to this article in the show notes. It's over at Survivalpedia, how to predict weather like the pioneers did. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our next article. It comes to us from beans, bullets, bandages, in you.com. The title is Overloaded, Keep Prepping in Balance. And so a while back, Salty, who is, you know, one of the, he runs the website over there and there's a couple of different people who write uh, over there at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. But uh, he had a nasty little fall, and he was able to use that to think about preparedness and not just think about it, but uh, apply some things and, and you know share some wisdom that, that he and his wife have been able to put into place. And not just because of that fall. The fall just kind of made it really real for him. And, and uh, you know, so uh, I'm, let me just go ahead and, and stop yapping. And let me go ahead and jump into this article because you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And I know, and I can tell you for a fact, there are many, many people in this same predicament right here, especially if you are new to preparedness or even if you have been at it for maybe six months to a year, maybe even two years, you're still in that kind of a newbie phase where this would really make sense to you and help you tremendously. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Overloaded, keep prepping in balance. One of the hardest and most expensive lessons I have learned in my prepping journey is keeping our prepping proportionately in balance. When I started prepping, I went way overboard buying guns and ammo. Why? Because guns and ammo are fun. Next, I went way overboard in buying long-term food storage. Why? Well, you know why. Years later that I actually matured as a prepper and concentrated on the things I should have started with in the first place, like water collection and treatment, medical supplies, clothing for all seasons, a prepper library, skills development, etc. I don't know a single prepper, Spice and I included, who does as good a job at balancing our preps as we need to. Let me give you an example. As I have mentioned before, last month I slipped on some ice on my front porch step, fell down the steps onto the concrete, and in the process broke my ankle and skinned myself up pretty good. As I was laying there on the sidewalk in the 30 degree air without a coat, I might add, I knew I shouldn't get up. I'd felt the bone pop. 
What should I do? Of all the things I considered as I was sprawled out, bleeding and in pain on the ice cold concrete, the fact that I have 10,000 rounds of 9mm ammo in storage within 150 feet of where I was never once crossed my mind. The handguns I have, the year's worth of food, none of that would help my current situation one bit. If the SHTF and all I had was guns and ammo, well, wouldn't I be in a real pickle? The fact that my cell phone was in my pocket and that I had a friend to call to help me out, that mattered. Now, Here's the thing about my accident. Since it was on a normal day, an everyday day where medical help is readily available, I was able to go to the emergency room and get the treatment process started. But what would have happened had we been in an SHTF situation? We have a significant first aid kit in Salty and Spice Land, one that includes ways to immobilize just about any broken bone that we personally can treat. We don't have a backboard, but other than that, we can splint just about anything and we know how to use the splints. Spice wrote an article about SAM splints, which we carry with us pretty much at all times via our car packs. So there's a link there. My leg required surgery to fix it right, but since it was not non-displaced, I could have gotten by if we were forced to treat it all by ourselves. It's much better with actual medical care, but we could have splinted it so that it basically worked it just wouldn't have been nearly as stable as it will be now. As humans, we have a comfort zone. We all know that. And we like to stay within our comfort zone, even if we don't realize that's what we are doing. Ammo and guns, those are my comfort zones. With spice, it's all things natural and organic, including gardening and seeds. But here's the thing. Let's say the SHTF. What good are guns if you can't feed yourself? What good is a fantastic garden if you can't defend it and keep people from robbing you blind? We need balance. We need to be in sync with our prepping, keeping balance, which is why we need to develop and have a prepping plan and follow it. Prepping plans and lists are something we are going to be concentrating on a lot here in the next six months at 3BY, but in the meantime, you could do far worse than concentrating on our main core mission, beans, bullets, bandages, and you. The hard part is, of course, even with a plan, we still tend to gravitate towards what we know and what we like. Frankly, figuring out what type of bleeding control compression bandages we should stock in our medical supply is not nearly as fun to me as testing and evaluating what type of personal defense rounds we should stock going forward. Determining how effective three different types of water filters are so that we can stock the best one for our needs does not interest me nearly as much as what type of night vision or infrared gear we should buy. In the end, though, it doesn't matter what interests me. We have a job we need to get done, and we don't have anybody else that's going to do it for us. We need to put on our big boy or big girl pants, make the list, check them twice, then get to it. All right, guys, so like I said, a very short article over here, but one that just brings home the fact that you've got to be balanced in your approach to preparedness, and that's why you need to have a plan. You, you need to work that plan. So if you can think through, think through what life would be like in an emergency, and really, you know, just let me just briefly touch on this. If you can think about what you need every day to survive now, Go through your day, right? 
go through your day and and write it down. I do this, I do this, I do this. My kids do this, do this, do this. My spouse, this, this, and this. So at the very minimum, you need whatever you need. On a very good day, you need that stuff, whatever that is, right? And then you start to pull out things like, okay, what if I don't have refrigeration, right? How would I do what I need to do? What if I didn't have my stove or my oven? How would I cook my food? What if I didn't have running water? How would I get the water that I need to be able to go through my day? What if I couldn't go to the grocery store? What if I couldn't do this? What if I couldn't do that? And you start to think through those types of things and you start to build on the basics. And that's why it's important to start on those basics instead of going way, way over off to the side. You don't need to buy or, or to build a bug out vehicle when you don't have a basic bug out bag, you know, in already in your in your closet. And that's if your only plane would be to bug out, right? Or you don't need a bug out vehicle if you don't even have any food or water or anything like that. Or I would even say, and I know people would probably, there'd be some out there that would disagree with me. I would think that you don't need a firearm first before you go out and get your food and water. At least you have a month's worth. Because if you are defending something, I mean, of course, you're defending your family. And I know I can go into all different kinds of things and people will send me emails and Todd, you're way off track. But really, kind of like what, what Salty said here in his article is like, you know, what good is a garden if you don't have anything to defend it? But why would you need guns if you don't have anything to defend in the, in, you know, in the first place? And so anyway, so that's why you need to kind of think things through. And here's the thing. Everybody's going to be at different places. Everyone has some, you know, the basics and the essentials that, that you need, but everyone is going to be at different places. Your situation is going to be a little bit different. That's why it takes a little bit of thought. You can't just go get a checklist from the internet somewhere and go buy all the stuff that's on there and say, okay, hey, I'm prepared. Because whoever made that checklist might not be at the same place or at the same skill level that you're you're at. And so you need to think a little bit uh, about this, you need to put a little bit of thought into it. It's worth it. Have, being prepared and taking care of your family, being responsible is definitely worth it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have already gone there and you realize, you know what, it is something that I want to make sure that I am you know, responsible in taking care of my family and making sure that if there was ever an emergency situation that I had the things in place so that my family would be able to survive it. So anyway, again, that's going to be over at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. I'm going to link to it in the show notes uh, like always. And so you can go and check it out and uh, click on some of the links that are in both of these articles that you can uh, do a little bit more you know, research and information. And then always, if you have the time, bounce around to these other, you know, on these websites because they they all have great information. I don't touch hardly half of the stuff that they're putting out because well, not even less than half, right? Probably one tenth of the articles that are out there because there's just so much good stuff. And I try to share a wide range of information on the podcast. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 482. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. 
and take a moment to connect with me, including heading over to the Facebook page or a Facebook group and also the email list. And I have all of that in the show notes so that you can easily get to it. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.